Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing the Twilight Saga's Breaking Dawn. Breaking Dawn was written by Stephanie Meyer and was published in 2008. And the film adaptations came out in 2011 and 2012, directed by Bill Condon. Yep. So not only did we read a 750 plus page book, but we watched two movies all for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) You'll know for sure looking at the time code, but this quite possibly will be our longest episode yet. But we'll see. We're not going to shy away from that necessarily because there's just so much to discuss. Yes. And what an epic conclusion to this four part book series and five part movie series. My God. What else could we have? (laughs) So much. I um, was thinking, and I was talking to you about this, I don't read that many book series. Yeah. So outside of Harry Potter, which of course I was on that train like everyone else. Yeah. uh, I don't think I've read this many books in a series before. Wow. In my life. And I... (laughs) And Twilight has that honor I read every goddamn Twilight book. And no one, no one can ever take that away from me. No. You've (laughs) earned that, babe. I mean, this was... At many points, a test of endurance (laughs) and focus and commitment. It was. But honestly, we've had so many really great encouraging messages and just like um, people reaching out to us. Yeah, um, yeah. Patrons and also listeners lately. And honestly, it gave Ian strength throughout this whole process. It did. So thank you for helping Ian to see the light at the end of the tunnel (laughs) where he can bitch about this series for however long this episode is. Yeah, I feel like, you know, there's always that enjoyment of getting to bitch about a book that I don't like that encourages me to keep reading it. But this was definitely like the last of this series that I felt like I was like, I couldn't do this again. I couldn't do it if there was a fifth one. Yeah. Like, this is the peak of my my bitching. So, so let's get into it. Yeah. Here we are. It's the fourth book. If you haven't listened to our other three episodes, what are you doing? Listen to those. <laughs> Go back. Catch up on Twilight. Yes. New Moon. You can probably skip Eclipse. Doesn't really matter. None of that really matters, actually. And it's Bella and Edward's wedding coming up yes they're finally tying the knot mm-hmm. and they're getting all prepared yeah the what dress. is there to, what is there to say about this <laughs> not a lot <laughs> stephanie meyer spends so long talking about the wedding and preparing for the wedding and all these scenes where she's repeating things that we already know to like get the reader caught up but yes we're all just like okay come on like we get it like bella hates being in a wedding dress and having her makeup done. Like, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the movie tried to give us something of interest. Yeah. At the beginning, because we got this random flashback scene of Edward when he was a vampire. Oh, yeah. And he only drank. He he was a murderer of murderers. He yes. only drank murderers. Is that like a Dexter thing? I guess. Like, it's very, <laughs> it seems like a Dexter thing. It, yeah. it is, essentially. <laughs> but I'm like, but then again, once again, here's another story that, like, could be much more interesting. A telepathic vampire using his powers to, like, track down murderers in, like, yeah. the 1920s. And, but like, he's, like, wrestling with his conscience because is he still a murderer, mm-hmm. even though he's only killing murderers yeah i know so many questions yeah none of them addressed (laughs) none of them answered here (laughs) uh but yeah it was like so out of place and set up nothing 
for also the, the context story. is weird because Edward's like it's our it's like the night before our wedding. I have to tell you my deep dark secret. <laughs> and Bella's like, "What? You're not a virgin." <laughs> I love that line because <laughs> he's like, no, I am. Yeah. I've only murdered a bunch of people, Bella. But I'm still a virgin. But I still have <laughs> my chastity. <laughs> and of course, she doesn't care about any of this. So, And then we move on very quickly to Edward hanging out with his vampire bros for his bachelor party. Just throwing so it out. The tone is like all over the place already. Yeah. It's already super like what's happening. Yeah. Uh, but we get a wedding. And what, like you said, what is there to say about the wedding? Not a lot. Not a lot. Um, it's all happy and nice. They play Iron and Wine in the movie. Once again. Yeah. Jacob shows up. And you know what? At first, I was like, wow, Jacob's actually being tolerable right now. Yeah. He's Maybe he's matured a bit. Yeah, he's like obviously a little annoyed, but he's holding it back and he's being nice. Mm-hmm. And he and, wants to tell Bella goodbye because... Mm-hmm. She'll be, like, dead to him after this. He seems accepting of the situation and the circumstances. Yeah. Until... Until he just decides to, like, get all in her business about fucking a vampire. Yeah. He's like, what? You're gonna gonna have sex before you're a vampire? And he just, like, goes ballistic. Yes. And then his wolf boys keep him in check. (laughs) Yeah, all the wolf... All the shirtless wolf boys come out of the woods, as they do. And they're like, oh, easy there. (laughs) Easy there, Jacob. (laughs) Whoa, boy. Whoa. Uh, There's something I want... Want to touch on right off the bat because it's something I was like aware of very quickly in this movie. Yeah. And I went back and I watched clips of other movies just to kind of confirm, but I genuinely think this is the worst looking of the films. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Just like looking at it, it felt like the least. Like, it was trying at all. It didn't feel like it was even, like, remotely. <laughs> I, I don't know. All the lighting was boring. All the camera work is boring. Everything yeah. about it. Like, even the other ones were lit in, like, a more intentional way. Like, a little more naturalistic or a little more intentional, if that yeah. makes sense. And when you talk about the first movie, that was very artistically chosen lighting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, like, even Eclipse was somewhat like that. This one was just, like, fuck it all. You know? <laughs> Fuck the lighting. <laughs> They're vampires. They don't need to be lit. No. Uh, yeah. So I just, um, there are certain things about these two movies in particular, and they both feel this way. Mm-hmm. And the lighting and cinematography is kind of one of the first things that I noticed lacking for sure. Also, everyone's wearing a wig. Oh my God. The wigs. <laughs> the wigs in this, in these two movies are ridiculous. Esme's wig. I know. <laughs> Holy shit. It's so bad. It's- Horrific! It's so terrible. Bella was wearing a wig too, or I, I didn't, guess Kristen Stewart. Yeah, yeah, I didn't mm-hmm. notice that one as much. I did. I mean, now that you say that, it's like, yeah, I can tell thinking back. But yeah. Esme, wow. And Rosalie too. <laughs> Rosalie's hair was a little. Yeah, yeah, it was a little different, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So let's move on to the honeymoon, and it might feel like we're kind of skimming past some of these parts, and that be that's because. Nothing happens. No. And Stephanie Meyer has a habit of doing this in some of her (laughs) books where she spends like pages and pages talking about nothing. And then it's only later when you think about it and you're trying to explain it or like take notes like we do. Yeah. And you're like, that was nothing. It's genuinely (laughs) impressive how much she writes with like. But when you look back, you're like, what? What even happened? There's not even like that much description no. in anything. No. <laughs> like, I think early on, there's she's talking about this car that she's driving. Yeah. And it's so vague about it just being sleek and black. And 
A fast one. A fast, yeah, a fast car. <laughs> it's a fast one. That's like how everything, like the boat was sleek and black and the yeah. other thing was uh, glass and... Uh, and the dress is like a white one. And <laughs> <laughs> it had uh, sleeves, <laughs> but we don't tell you how long of sleeves and, and makeup yes. that she couldn't smudge, but... What color? Where was it? No one knows. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's just genuinely like she's so vague and obtuse about so many details. But she goes on for so long. Oh my! It's just like characters in her monologues. I think. Yeah. That aren't enlightening to anything. No. <laughs> but yeah, so honeymoon. they honeymoon. They fly. They boat. <laughs> they. Go through Rio de Janeiro for like two seconds. Yes, they are on Isle Esme, which is an island that Carlisle gave to Esme as a gift one time. Uh, and now Bella and Edward, their children, are going to fuck on it. <laughs> They're going to tear that shit up, or at least Edward will. They're going to tear it up. There's nothing better than being in like an island and in a little like cute chalet cabin that your parents have banged in. Yeah. And in just a bed that, that your parents have probably boned in. <laughs> just putting that into context a little bit. Yeah. Just being aware. Like that's <laughs> like, I think everyone's hearing in the vampire house is so good. Yeah. That you have to go to like a remote island. You have to be on an island. <laughs> yeah. In order to like properly bang without like, you know, keeping quiet. You know what I mean? You got to get way out there. I just feel like it is like a little bit of a weird choice mm-hmm. for their honeymoon. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like a romantic spot for their parents. Like, let's go here. Yeah, I don't. It feels so n- uninteresting. Yeah. It's just like the most beautiful romantic place you could ever imagine. And that's it. You know, and, and the most beautiful house you could ever imagine. And okay. Yeah. Yeah, unimaginative, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. They're there, and of course, Edward has agreed to Bella's condition that he tries to have sex with her one time. Yep. And if it doesn't work out, or if he kills her, then they won't do it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to put his... His foot down. I was going to say, he's going to put his VP in her her HV. Yes. That's vampire penis in her human vagina. Yes. (laughs) And I think now is a good moment to talk about an eternal question that we have wondered about this whole series, which is how does Edward get it up without <laughs> when he, blood? When he has no flowing blood in his body. And thankfully for us, Stephanie Meyer has a very convoluted uh, explanation that makes no sense. But here it is from uh, frequently asked questions on her website page. So she says the cells that make up vampire skin are not pliant like our cells. They are hard and reflective like crystal. Crystal cells. Crystal. A fluid similar to the venom in their mouths works as lubricant between the cells, which makes movement possible. A fluid similar to the same venom lubricates their eyes so their eyes can move easily in their sockets. The lubricant venom in the (laughs) eyes and skin is not able to infect a human the way saliva venom can. So similarly... Throughout the vampire's body are many versions of venom-based fluids that retain a marked resemblance to the fluid that was replaced in the body and function in much the same way. So, and then I'm just going to move a little bit on here. Because it talks say, a lot about fluids. It's a lot. <laughs> uh, 
Other, uh, the normal reactions of arousal are still present in vampires, made possible by venom-related fluids that cause <laughs> tissues to react similarly as they do to an influx of blood. Like with vampire skin, fluids closely related to seminal fluids still exist in male vampires, which carry genetic information and are capable of bonding with a human ovum. So that's pregnancy details. But let me just, let me just repeat Venom-related fluids. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we have to thank for Get for those this. coursing through his, uh, through his not veins, you I know, guess. You know, venom-related fluids. <laughs> <laughs> but that still also doesn't answer the question of, like, his dick is still cold, right? Yeah. So, I mean, she's basically being fucked by, like, a rocket Yeah, pop. you're like, have you ever put a dildo in the freezer? Yeah. <laughs> and then used it. <laughs> it's a popsicle. Yeah. <laughs> On a hot day, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> just another question that like, of course, Stephanie Meyer isn't going to get into the detail of, but we're all wondering like, that can't be like pleasant, can it? Well, I don't and know. That's the problem. She doesn't go into any detail. No. This, the sex scene in this book is like, the most sanitized sex I've probably ever read Mm -hmm. and anything that wasn't published before like 1800. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's just like, Oh, and then we like went to the water together. And then the next thing she's like waking up, like they don't even like use like euphemisms or like our skin touching or like his hand in my, you know, nothing. It's just like, and fade to black, (laughs) fade to black. By the way, it is uh, storming outside right now. So yes. if you hear thunder, mm-hmm. that's what it is. It seems appropriate. It though. is appropriate. We're discussing vampires and vampire sex and um, the coldness of Edward's dick. Yeah. <laughs> but what were you telling me, though, about the movie sex scene that like they had to cut some? Oh, yeah. So uh, originally, I guess, apparently the first cut of the movie got an R rating for the sex scene. <laughs> so what did they show? I mean, I don't know. I guess. I don't really know what they, like, quantitatively what they account for in a sex scene. Yeah. They probably don't. It's probably just, like, how uncomfortable does it make them or, like, aroused it makes them either or. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so they actually had to go back and kind of recut and edit. Apparently, inside word is about um, Steph or uh, Kristen. Wait, what? Why am I? Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson is. It was not the sexiest of sex scenes. No. They were like, yeah, it was pretty uncomfortable. Oh my God. (laughs) And like, not exciting at all. I'm sure that's just weird in general. But that sounds like a lot of the filming of this movie from what I've heard, so. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But so, they have sex. Then, Bella gets some bruises on her and then Edward's pouty about it and he's like, I I hurt you and I'll never go back and. Yeah. So in the movie, she has like, one hand, like two handprints on her. Mm-hmm. In the book, she's described as being literally covered in bruises. Yeah. All over her body. And her first thought is immediately like, oh, how can I like cover these up? Which is what people think who are being abused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, God. It's one of those things where. There was probably a way to handle it, but like, I don't think Stephanie Meyer thinks much about. I don't think she thinks about the consequences of what she writes. Exactly. Yes. At all. And she's like, well, why would people have a problem with this? This is just like my opinion, or this is just my take, and this is just like a fantasy book. And we're all like, you're 
kind of echoing these real life scenario scenarios for people. But in those real life scenarios, it is not romantic. True. Yeah. Like, I'm sure Stephanie Meyer would be like, well, of course, like Edward's stronger than Bella. So she's going to have some like physical like bruises from their sex. Whereas teenage girls reading this book and being like, it's okay to have bruises during sex. And it's like, uh, no. Yeah, no, it's not. (laughs) Yeah. This might be an interesting time to to bring up the fact of like uh, Stephanie Meyer's uh, thoughts and what she said about um, Bella as a character. And she's been described as an anti-feminist character by others Mm -hmm. saying, oh, she chooses very traditional values, very traditional roles, especially in this book. Yeah. Where she chooses to get married at 18 and has a baby Mm -hmm. and chooses to carry that baby, even though it's endangering her. Just like a lot of things. Yeah. And I'm a little mixed on this because on one hand, I mean, there's so many problems with Stephanie with, with these, this book series and like, yeah, where do we start? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, so many things. In terms of Bella's decisions, though, I agree with you that she doesn't think about that stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're dealing with, like, a young audience, she should maybe think about that a little more. However, I also believe that, like, I do kind of understand where she's coming from to an extent, saying, like, well, there's extraneous circumstances in this plot that lead her to make these decisions. Mm-hmm. She gets married early because Edward's 17 and she doesn't want to get, like, a lot older than him. Yeah. Which is reasonable. And I was thinking about a podcast we both listened to not too long ago where the writer of Juno, the movie, was talking about that film. Yeah. Where... She after she wrote it and it was made, she was receiving fan mail saying, like, thank you for making a pro-choice film pro-life. or pro-life film. I'm sorry, <laughs> a, a pro-life film. And she was like, oh, God, no, that's like not at all what I wanted yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. She's like, I just want to tell this story about this character. So that can go both ways. Yeah, and I can see how that can happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what your thoughts were. My thoughts are that. Bella doesn't really consider other options, though. True. Like, other characters try to convince her to do other things. Mm -hmm. And I guess they're supposed to be, like, those voices that are like, this is weird. Like, maybe don't, like, get married. And maybe, like, don't have this baby. Or maybe don't, like, choose to become a vampire and, like, give up your entire life. But Bella doesn't ever really question that. And in Eclipse, we're supposed to believe that Bella is reconsidering her decision to become immortal, but she doesn't ever really. Yeah. So I just don't feel like Bella ever wrestles with these choices. No, it's that's always very like, true. This is what I'm doing and I'm hundred percent believe in it. And everyone that doesn't agree with me is just wrong. Yeah. And I mean, there are huge obstacles for her. And I mean, one of the biggest is that she's going to have to give up everyone in her life. Who's mortal. Yeah. Supposedly mm-hmm. uh, early on. This is her thought. Like, even her parents, she can't see she them can ever again. She can never see them again, yeah. And instead of, like, causing her to reconsider, she's just like, oh, that's sad. Yeah. Like, I- I'll be sad to do that, but it's still, she's like, She's dealing with inevitable. The, the weight of the decision, but she's not reconsidering. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right in that she doesn't ever really weigh her options in any particular and way. And we don't have moments of conflict for her. No. She always just knows exactly what she wants to do, and she follows that. And, like, other characters oppose her, but, like, 
she never wavers and we never see her struggle. Yeah. So I just, I have a problem with that. Yeah, no, that's... Not just in terms of content, but in terms of storytelling. That's like, all very valid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think Stephanie Meyer ever meant to make a character that was like intentionally like super traditional, like anti-feminist or anything. Yeah. However, she kind of did create a character that was extremely traditional without ever really questioning it. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so just felt like maybe this was a good time to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but back to the plot mm-hmm. and what's going on. They that have, l- they have the sex. Edward yeah. doesn't want to have more sex cause he's upset that he injured Bella, mm-hmm. which he fucking should be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Bella's upset about it. And then they have sex again because she cries about it. <laughs> She's like, I want it. But please, <laughs> just give me the D. <laughs> uh, and then then, Be- then Bella gets sick. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> what could that be? So I wonder. I was ranting to Ian about this earlier, but I am just upset sometimes because I feel like women just can't be sick in books or movies or TV shows anymore. <laughs> like, they can't just be like, oh, I have food poisoning. Or I have the fucking flu. Or, like, I feel really sick and I have to throw up. You know what I mean? Like, women are sick and you're like, uh-oh. Yeah, She's uh-oh. pregnant. She threw up. And women can't just have, like, normal bodily functions <laughs> in movies and shows and books anymore. It's always yeah. like, oh, guess what? Who's pregnant? Mm-hmm. It's her. <laughs> It's a very good point and very, very true. It's just like, yeah, anytime a woman in a show or movie like is suddenly sick. Yeah. Like especially like, yeah, like uh, to their stomach, you're like, "Mm," and like 99% of the time you're right. Yeah. (laughs) Which is kind of annoying. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Including this time where Bella is not only pregnant, but ultra pregnant. Oh, she's super pregnant. Like the most pregnant. <laughs> you could possibly be. Anyone could ever. Even more pregnant than like Octomom. Yeah. So <laughs> it's been two weeks. And of course, the pregnancy is a result of the first time they had sex. Because Edward's venom related fluids <laughs> are just that potent. <laughs> and they get Bella the job done. They fertile. get the job done. <laughs> so she's only two weeks along, which you can't tell that you're pregnant two weeks long. Mm -hmm. Like there's no even indication in your body that you're pregnant. Uh, But she knows that she's pregnant. She already has a tiny bit of a bump. Mm -hmm. She's kind of late on her period and she's throwing up. Yes. And this like whole pregnancy, this like sped up pregnancy is like such a ridiculous like plot device. It is. Because I don't know. Why can't she just be normal pregnant? Yeah. Why does it have to be speedy pregnant? Yeah, and it's literally just for the sake of, like, advancing the plot rapidly. Yeah, and they're like, well, we were going to turn her into a vampire, so, like, we have to make sure that that doesn't happen. But it's still, like, come on, like, I don't know. It's so dumb to get pregnant on your honeymoon. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a great ending. Yeah. It's so, like, white trash. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> so um they head home yep they 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 quit. edward is horrified yeah so his stance is the kill the baby it's mm-hmm. a demon spawn murder it yeah that i did this to you and we have to get it out 
And he's right. He did. Yeah, he did do that. It is his fault. He just automatically, like, the the fact that they just assume he can't get her pregnant is so absurd. I know. Like, nobody thought about this. No one. No one was like, maybe we should use protection. They were just like, I mean, if you're still, if you're still ejaculating as a vampire. Yeah. You might want to think about. You would want to check. (laughs) What that ejaculation could produce. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe <laughs> never mind. The venom related fluids. The venom related fluids. Uh yeah, so the fact that like they were like what this can happen is like really ridiculous. Yeah. But they rush home and we kind of get like a sudden jolt in the story. Yep. And in the book, this is specifically a switching of perspectives. Yeah, which we haven't seen before. Um, There was a tiny chapter at the end of Eclipse Mm -hmm. that was from Jacob's perspective. But now in this book, we have maybe like a tiny portion of Bella's like beginning part. And then we have a huge chunk of Jacob and then it switches back to Bella. But it's weird because like each section has its own preface, which is Stephanie Meyer's bullshit thing where each preface has to be like a dramatic tense moment where the person is like afraid for their life or something. Oh my God. And then it like flashes. It's like a flash forward, (sighs) but they did this for each section. Well, and it was especially funny because in breaking Dawn or at the the very beginning of breaking Dawn, they had one of those and Bella was literally like, you know, I've, I've, I've feared for my life so many times now. I know. Like like, we know. Yeah, we know. (laughs) It's been in every preface. Every book begins with you (laughs) terrified for your life. Yeah. So. But then they did one with Jacob, and then when it went back to Bella, they did another preface with Bella. And I was like, come on. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. But yeah, it's like treated like three individual books. Yeah. Which honestly, they kind of could have been. They could have been. Honestly. So yeah, but let's talk about this Jacob part, because this was super interesting. Yeah. Uh, and it threw me for a loop because I didn't know this was happening or this was going to happen. I knew I knew a lot about this story, this book. I've seen the movies. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't know the book took place from Jacob's perspective at this point. Mm-hmm. And immediately I was like, oh, like yeah. I remembered that one chapter in Eclipse and how much I hated it. Was it was really bad because Jacob sucks so much. Yeah. And I was immediately like totally turned off by this idea and dreading it. Mm-hmm. However. This ended up being. I think my favorite portion of any of the books. Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. Yeah. Stephanie Meyer just kind of let Jacob. I don't know. I feel like she wasn't as like specific with trying to make him like angsty. Like he was still angsty. Yeah. But she just kind of like let that go a little bit. Yeah. And we got to see kind of Jacob from... You know, not just Bella's point of view or Edward's, just kind of like in his own head, trying to figure shit out on his own. And it was really interesting. Yeah. And Jacob has a really interesting arc in yeah. this section, mm-hmm. like more interesting of an arc than Bella has ever had or yeah. anyone else. Because mm-hmm. he has to make some choices. Yeah. And it starts off with him discovering about Bella's pregnancy. Yeah. And immediately being like totally thrown off, totally freaked out yeah. and angry and upset and horrified. Cause yeah. he knows that Bella, this will probably kill Bella. Mm-hmm. And they have a werewolf meeting about mm-hmm. it now that he knows this. Yeah. And my God, the movie version of this scene 
is. Oh my god, it's so bad. Absurd. They're like, let's get all the wolves together, and they're just gonna like be like wolfing together, and then I'll have like weird voiceovers where they're like talking to each other in their minds. And but they're doing like a growly voice, and yeah. you can't tell who's talking <laughs> <Yeah>. ever. <laughs> and then we get Jacob in his wolf voice, be, wolf voice, being like, "I am the grandson of Ephraim <laughs> Black. I am the Alpha." <laughs> Also, the wolves look worse in this movie than I think any of the wolves. Yeah, they look bad. Except maybe New Moon, they looked worse. But honestly, I don't think so. Like, I don't know why. All of all of the special effects like that in this movie looked real bad. Yeah. Like, like the, what se- the, hell? the second movie got a lot better. But for some reason, all the special effects in this one looked really bad. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we had this ridiculous scene where Jacob, like, finally claims his right as Alpha. Yeah. And But that right to, like, just leave, I guess, to break off from the pack. Mm-hmm. So he goes back to the Cullens because he has decided to at least protect Bella. Yeah, because Sam and the rest of the pack want to kill the demon child. Yes. And the woman who carries it. (laughs) (laughs) For the greater good, because they're convinced this thing could be monstrous and Mm -hmm. like they're all freaked out about it. And so Jacob takes off and he goes to the Cullens home. Yeah. And this begins and he is followed Shortly after by Seth mm-hmm. and Leah. Yes. The Clearwater siblings. Yes. And I loved this because before this scene, when it's like the whole pack, there are so many people and so many names. And I know. I'm like, no one is a character. They're just a bunch of names. I have no idea who's who. There's a bunch of wolf bros. Yeah. Sam, Quill, Embry, Paul. Paul Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the only ones I can even remember. Yeah. And so I loved just getting like two characters seth and leah Mm -hmm. and two of the most specific characters seth is the most young he's the youngest yeah the most like ambitious and like chipper chipper and like like, sweet kind of annoying yeah and and leah is just like really like angsty and annoyed and frustrated Mm -hmm. and she's sam's ex-girlfriend so yes so that's partly why she left the pack because she could finally get away from sam yeah and her relationship with jacob as it develops is great yeah. I thought I loved this because she's immediately dismissed by Jacob as just being super annoying. He doesn't want her around. Yeah. But then her being around because they have this mental connection. He starts to like see how tough it was for her. Her pain. In yeah. Being, not only being the only female member of the pack, but also having to hear Sam's thoughts all the time. Yeah. And he imprinted on her cousin and left her and it was devastating. And now she has to be around him all the time. And he's always thinking about how much he loves his new girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. And all everyone has to hear her thoughts all the time. Yeah. She can't hide it about how sad she is. And it's a bunch of dudes. And if she for one second thinks about like, her lack of period now. They're like, yeah. They're like, grossly. Yeah. Yeah. Why'd you have to ruin it for us? We were all just a bunch of totally hetero dudes running around <laughs> in the woods with no shirts. And then a girl has to come. I mean, that's basically their attitude. So, and you feel really bad for Leah. And for most of this time before this book, Jacob kind of didn't care about her and found her annoying too. But now that it's the two of them, they're both kind of bonding over loving someone who can't love you back. Yeah. And the pain of that and like not knowing how to move on, Mm -hmm. wanting to, but like not feeling like you can. 
and just dealing with that constant reminder every single day yeah. of what you can't have and what you've lost. Yeah. And Leah tries helping Jacob because like she's more in the clear of this yeah. than he is. Like he's in it right now. Like mm-hmm. the, this struggle of like losing Bella. Yeah. And she senses that and is like trying to help him as best she can. And there's even another really interesting part that I kind of loved that like Stephanie Meyer, of course, didn't really get into, but like it could have been much more interesting where Leah also can't uh, have children yeah. because of like this change to her through the the werewolf thing. Yeah. And she was thinking like, I'm the only woman who became a werewolf. And like, why is that? Mm-hmm. And like, is it because like I'm not as much of a woman as I should be? Or yeah. like, and it was like this really kind of sad moment where she was just questioning herself, like her her gender identity and and talking about being like her genetics. Like, am I fucked up? Yeah. Like, are my genetics like wrong? Why did this happen? You know, or am I like not meant to perpetuate the line of like the wolves because like I'm a genetic death end or dead end. Quote? Yeah. And just like, yeah, dealing with that and dealing with the, the body changes that she deals with, which is even more pronounced than her uh, male wolf comrades yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where like she doesn't have a period anymore and that's like terrifying yeah and yeah just her being like so open and honest about all of this was like really interesting to like read about yeah and you know her and jacob getting closer and oh god it's so annoying because it was like i knew it wasn't gonna happen because i knew it happened in this book yeah but i was like she had the perfect trajectory right now, Stephanie Meyer I'm talking about, yeah. for a great story that completely subverts our expectations. Yeah. Because the whole Twilight Saga is about, like, destined love. Yeah. Love at first sight, mm-hmm. unbreakable love that, like, the fates have are decided. on your side and yeah. have decided. And in this story, Jacob is really upset because he still loves Bella. And he's upset, too, because he, like, he wishes he could imprint on someone to like move past that pain, like someone, someone that he could feel that connection to. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, Oh God, this could be the antithesis in a way of Edward and Bella, where maybe he and Leah, instead of like some destined love story. Yeah. Instead, they're two people who are kind of messed up, who come together and, and they make a decision to try to make it work between yeah. them, not like lightning strikes, th- strikes them and they have no choice. Yeah, they like help make each other better people. And like, it's yeah. great because they start off being kind of like annoying to each other. Yeah, that would be such a great story if like they ended up together. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, even if they didn't end up together, like them just being close in that way. But like, I just feel like that could have been a great love story that is very different than Edward and Bella. Yeah. It would have been a nice balance to that. Yeah. But instead, we get Jacob imprinting on a baby. Instead, Jacob falls in love with a fucking baby. And then that storyline of him dealing with this pain and, you know, this emotional development is completely dropped because... He that was the need, cure. He doesn't need to work through any of his issues anymore because he's he's imprinted, so he doesn't have to... He's better. Yep. And, like, now Leah and he have, like, nothing in common anymore. No. Because Leah doesn't get, like, a perfect happy ending. No, and Leah never gets to... And, I mean, talk about annoying that, like, the only female werewolf doesn't, like, get to imprint on anyone, I guess. Like, that's never resolved. Like, 
Could not that she... we want people to imprint, but as long as people no. are imprinting, like, why can't Leah do it? But yeah, because like the whole setup of the imprinting is so just like male centric in terms yeah. of like the man claiming a woman. Mm-hmm. And it's like the one woman in that group doesn't even get to do it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, it was just it was so frustrating reading it because I got really wrapped up in Jacob's arc and like these other characters and even him with the Cullens. Yeah. We get a lot of interesting dynamics. Yeah, he's growing to appreciate them, like, especially with Carlisle, like, understanding that Carlisle is, like, a good person and seeing them as, like, people, not just, like, the enemy. Yeah. And him and Edward, even, like, Edward constantly reading his mind is kind of a funny... Dynamic. Dynamic, where we're getting that experience of someone's mind being read by him constantly. Yeah. Which I kind of enjoyed in like their begrudging friendship that forms. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like a lot of good stuff was in here and then it just boots it out the door. Yep. It's like, bye bye to all that character development. <laughs> uh, and it's just so disappointing. It is. Should we talk about the other part of this middle part? Yeah. Uh, Bella giving birth to a monster baby. (laughs) Bella just being super sick. Yeah, this is worse than Rosemary's baby, which is also upsetting in terms of pregnancy. (laughs) Yeah. But she's in pain. She's sick. She's dying. I mean, a literal parasite is in her body pulling all the nutrients from her. They finally figure out that they need to like give Bella blood because that's like what the baby needs. I don't know. Yeah. So she just starts drinking blood and she's like, mmm. Tastes so good. (laughs) (laughs) She just looks so, I mean, honestly, the movie effects are pretty good at making her look. Like she's dying. Really terrible. Yeah. And uh, also, I just wanted to mention how that whole Jacob plot line is totally book centric. The yeah. movie really... It doesn't do anything It doesn't... Like, like, those beats of him leaving his pack and Leah being there. There's one moment between him and Leah, but it's still pretty uh, Bella-centric. Yeah. On her suffering mm-hmm. and just withering away. Yeah, and of course she's on this, like, fucking crusade mm-hmm. that she has to, like, save the baby and, like, no one can do anything to hurt the baby and if I just hang on long enough... The baby will be safe and I might live. And she has this whole plan that like she's going to try to like stay, hang on as long as she can. Then they'll deliver the baby whenever they need to. And then they'll just turn her into a vampire, which will fix everything. Yeah. Which like this baby is not compatible with her body. It is sucking all the nutrients from her. And apparently it can't be birthed like a normal child. Like it has to like eat its way out. And I'm like... This makes zero sense. Like, just physically, it makes no sense. Like, why? Why can't it just slide out the vagina? Yeah, like like a normal baby. Come on. Yeah, and this is such a... God, this whole part gets so body horror and, like, gross and graphic. Like, both in the movie and the book. I don't know. Just suddenly it's super gruesome and bloody and... Yeah, and... Bella's breaking ribs and then her placenta detaches and then her spine is snapped. Oh, God. Yeah. And she can't feel her body. And then they're like cutting her open. And then Edward's ripping her stomach open with his teeth. And then the baby's clawing its way out. And she's vomiting oceans of blood onto the floor. Oh, that's right. God. When (laughs) when the book described that, I was just like, Jesus Christ. And you can hear like all her bones snapping. I'm like... 
the fuck is happening? It's a metaphor, Adina, for the pain that all mothers go through when they're birthing. It seems like Stephanie Meyer had just watched Alien and was like, <laughs> let's make that happen. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's so over the top and dramatic. And like, for what? I don't know. Yeah, for what reason? Yeah, just Bella for some reason. There. I don't know. She's just obsessed about having the baby. Yeah. And suddenly she's super baby focused. She's willing to risk her life to have this baby. She's never wanted to have a baby before or cared about it. Even the slightest bit. Yeah. And now she's like, my baby is everything. It's so far out of her character for like no reason. Yeah. And like (laughs) that stupid scene where Edward can like hear the baby's thoughts and is like, it loves you. I'm like, the baby doesn't fucking love you. (laughs) It's a, it's a baby. It loves the nutrients that it gets from your body. That's like, literally the only thing it knows right now. It knows darkness, some muffled sounds, yeah. and just drinking blood from your body. And like a baby can like the sound of your voice when it's in the womb. Like that makes sense. Hear it all the time. Great. But it's, how can you be like, it loves you. Also, I'm telling it to like maybe stop kicking your ribs out of place and it's going to stop now. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's trying not to break your spine. It's trying not to hurt you. It's it's trying really hard. Yeah. But also it, it probably will. <laughs> uh yeah. The birthing scene. Um It happens. It happens. The one part I did kind of like about the birthing scene was when Rosalie was there. Yeah. And then suddenly the smell of blood like turns her. Yeah. And then Jacob has to like restrain her. I kind of mm-hmm. liked that, like throwing that in the mix. Like, yeah. Her... Oh no, rogue vampire. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was, I kind of like that little aspect, but mm-hmm. besides that, it's just her being just torn apart. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. And then of course, Edward's venom saves her at the last possible second mm-hmm. and she's fine. Gets all stitched back together. And meanwhile, Jacob <laughs> sees the baby and Jacob's like, I want to fuck that baby. I'm going to fuck that baby. I'm going to fuck that baby. I'm going to wait till it's old enough and then I'm going to fuck that baby. (laughs) Which in case you don't know, that's called grooming, Mm -hmm. which we've talked about before in this series. Yeah. Where you, someone who is a pedophile or wants to prey on uh, a child will try to become their friend, get to know them, gain their trust let them get familiar with them so that you can eventually have sex with them. Yeah. And sometimes like, it's like a long game where they do it when the kid is young. Yeah. So that when they are actually like technically legal. Yeah. You've totally kind of brainwashed them. Yeah. And we've, this has been addressed before because one of the other werewolf boys has fallen in love with like a toddler. Yeah. And we're like, that's fucked. And then, of course, Jacob does it. And we're like, it's, it's just as fucked. fucked. Yeah. Um, and there's like so much bullshit in the book being like, uh, oh, it's not like like that. He oh just wants God. her to be happy. He'd do anything for her. He'll be a friend, a brother, then a lover. And I'm like, that's still grooming. It's still <laughs> the same. And it's so funny how the book and movie try to like, not make it creepy. Yeah. Like, like you said, they're like, it's not like that. You know, it's not like that. Yeah. But then also like, there's so many like allusions to that. Jacob's going to just one day fuck her. Be banging her. Yeah. He, at one point jokingly calls Edward like dad. Yeah. And he gives, uh, Renesme a promise ring. Yeah. That like a promise bracelet. Yeah. 
Well, Which, I think it was even a ring, I think. I thought it was a bracelet. I thought it was a bracelet in the movie. I thought it was a ring. Regardless. Regardless, he gives her a token that represents that they will one day bang. Yeah, that's they'll what that save represents. each other. Yeah. At least that's usually what the promise jewelry connotation is. And if he, it was and if it was a promise for Jacob to wait for her, then he would be the one that would wear it. Not, yeah. Not Renesme. Yeah. He's like claiming her. The person wearing it is the one who makes the promise. And she is like three months old. Yeah. But and then, of course, there's the accelerated aging, which yeah. seems like part of the like, oh, it's not that weird because she's like going to be like old wake faster. Yeah. Is that accelerated aging? I feel like. It's not an intentional nod, but to me, it's being like, oh, she's like old for her age. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and they talk about how Renezme does love Jacob and like, yeah. in her thoughts, because like Renezme can give her thoughts to other people and they're like, oh, yeah, no, she really cares about Jacob. And I'm like, yeah, like she has no choice. She's grown up with him. Yeah. She loves him like she loves her parents because they're always around and they take care of her. And Jacob's like. I just want to make sure that she's like safe and happy. And I'm like, that's not your fucking job, Jacob. No. She's not your kid. No. Other people can like make sure she's okay. Yeah. Like you're not solely responsible for her safety. Yeah. And when Bella does wake up, she's mm-hmm. obviously when she finds out like super pissed. Yeah. And thankfully in the movie, she at least gets like a couple like good punches, punches in. in on yeah. him. But eventually Everyone just is just like accepts it and yeah, is fine with it. You know, it's fine. Well, and adding to this creepiness is the fact that Jacob only like two minutes ago wanted to fuck Bella. Yeah. Like, come on. That's really gross. That's really gross. The levels. And he's like, one day, Renesmee, he'll be like looking tenderly into her eyes and be, and, and be like, so not so long ago, I was jerking off to images <sighs> of your mom. <laughs> But now I only jerk off to you. Yeah, at one point in the book, he talks about, like, seeing her partially naked and how many times he had thought about that. He thought about it, yeah. Like, don't fucking remind us. It's just, it's unbelievable that Stephanie Meyer could write this. And even if she doesn't know about grooming or that people do that or anything, like, clearly she is backpedaling a lot on like a lot of these things, trying to justify it, trying not to make it creepy. Yeah. Like she knows how creepy this is. Yeah. It's obvious by like how many things they write into the to story try to justify, to try it. to justify it, that like everyone knows yeah. <laughs> how creepy this is. Yeah. Except for everyone in the book. Yeah. <sighs> Which, so weird thing that we didn't mention um, Breaking Dawn was actually supposed to be the sequel to Twilight. Yeah. So she wrote Twilight and then she wrote Breaking Dawn because she wanted to get to the good parts, which was Bella and Edward getting married, Bella turning into a vampire. And then apparently like her having a baby and then Jacob imprinting on the baby were like actual plot points that she had planned on including in this sequel. Yeah. And then her publisher convinced her to write um, two books in between because they wanted to focus more on that time Bella had in high school still. So that's probably why New Moon and Eclipse feel like they don't matter because they kind of don't. No. (laughs) And it kind of answers like almost a lot of questions. Like you think about her friends in high school. Yeah. And how kind of weirdly like they don't matter, but also they're always around kind of. Yeah. And it's like clearly she probably wrote them in Twilight and like didn't really 
plan on extending them. No. But then when she's still in high school, it's like, well, she's got to have high school friends, but so also... So let's do, like, one scene in each book where she yeah. goes out with a friend. But also, who gives a fuck about Mike, Newton, yeah. and Jessica? And Angela. And Ang- whoever all these people are. <laughs> so, like, that, things like that kind of get explained and how, mm-hmm. like, not much almost at all factors in yeah. to the final book. No. But, my God, it also makes me think of the fact that, like, one of the things that is accomplished in those other books is telling a lot more of the world building. Yeah. And I think about, she was making comments about how long Breaking Dawn already is. Yeah. And I'm like, so, yeah, but you would still have to explain, like, the Volturi. Yeah. You would still have to explain imprinting and basically all of werewolves. Yeah. Uh, in this book. Like, there are so many other things she would have to cover. I know. In this book. Yeah. If she didn't have those two middle ones. How would she have? Oh, my. Like, if I. She wrote it. Imagining this. She wrote the entire thing. Yeah, she wrote the entire thing. It was called Forever Dawn. I mean, I knew. And she sent it to her sister as a present. Holy shit. Yeah. And then she started working on, like, the second and third book. Wow. And then she rewrote and reworked the Forever Dawn manuscript to make Breaking Dawn. But she wrote the whole thing. Wow, I just thought she like heavily planned it out and maybe like started writing it. According to her website, she wrote the whole thing. <sighs> Man. Yeah. So I, who knows? Maybe things were a little more quickly explained than in the <laughs> other books. Maybe. <laughs> maybe they explained it as it went, like Jacob imprinted on Renesmee. Yeah. And they're like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, guys, listen, listen. It's something we do. It's, it's not fine. creepy. Yeah. And they're like, okay. <laughs> as they're like ripping his head off. He's like, wait, let me just tell you about imprinting. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about Bella as a vampire, which is everything is just perfect. She's the best vampire ever, Adina. Yeah, she's great at everything. She's just good at everything. She doesn't like to eat people. No, she doesn't get angry for no reason. She doesn't destroy stuff. She's graceful. Yeah, she's sexy. She's just having the best. She's having the time of her life. She's got permanent <laughs> eyeshadow now in the movies. Oh my god! <laughs> and mascara. mascara? Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Just oh, that's her constant state is just perfect subtle makeup. And this is something that I was actually reading. Quite a few reviews had some problems with with mm-hmm. Bella. Is that Bella gets everything that she wants? Really? Yeah. yeah. And like nothing ever like stands in the way of that. Really. So she wants to be a vampire. She becomes a vampire. She wanted to have this baby. She's able to have the baby and then still be a vampire and it's fine. She didn't want to be crazed with bloodlust because she still wanted to be in like Charlie and Renee's life. Yeah. And she's able to control that magically. Mm-hmm. Also, she wanted to be able to enjoy sex with Edward because when you're a newborn vampire, all you care about is blood. So you don't have time for sex. But since Bella is a magic vampire, sex with Edward is amazing because she doesn't care as much about the blood. Like literally everything just happens perfectly for Bella. Mm-hmm. Like there's no conflict there's no struggle. Again, there's no, there's just no problems. I don't know. It's just so dumb. It feels <laughs> like someone read Twilight and then wrote a fan fiction version of yeah. what would happen with Edward and Bella once that once Bella became a vampire and was like, 
Oh, and then she has a baby. Oh, and then they have like amazing sex. Oh, oh, oh. And uh, Charlie can still be in the story because Bella's like just <laughs> magically able to not eat him. We haven't talked about this at all in the series or like prepared you for this at all. Yeah. But Bella can just do this now. And just like literally everything falls into place. It's like this perfect happy ending. Nothing goes wrong. Everything's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just like no real like all the conflicts that happen and this kind of goes for like all the stories yeah all the conflicts that happen are just very surface level and like no one ever actually makes any kind of sacrifices no and nothing is ever really lost yeah and just everything gets to be perfectly happy and perfectly status quo again yeah it's just it ultimately you look back and you're like what was the purpose of these setting it up in the first place yeah like all these books all these pages <laughs> like where did we go we we went from point a of like bella falling in love to Ed, with edward to like them just being happily ever after with like nothing consequential happening in the middle not really no so <laughs> it's just i i don't know i felt like the eclipse book was supposedly about all the actual ramifications of Bella's decision to become a vampire, Mm -hmm. like the consequences. And then we get to this book and it's like, actually none of those consequences applied to Bella. She's special. No. So it doesn't matter. Even Jacob gets to like, she doesn't have to feel guilty about denying Jacob. Because he finds someone. Because he gets to fuck her child. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and like with Edward too, like this whole series has been about Edward wanting to protect Bella. Edward doesn't want Bella to become a vampire. All this, like he's standing in the way for so long and then Bella becomes a vampire and everything's just like perfectly great. He gets like a sexy, hot wife who can like bang him whenever she popped out a baby for him. Like he just gets like everything he wants and like all of his objections and the whole three book saga of him being like whiny and opposing her. And this whole thing has been, I can't condemn you to this soulless life. And suddenly it doesn't matter. And he doesn't care anymore. No. (laughs) Like what was it for? He fell in love with this girl. Like really, Edward was like a really like genuinely like terribly selfish, terrible person in this story because in his mind, like being a vampire means like you're a soulless monster in a lot of ways. And he fell in love with this girl and then was like, I love you. I don't want to leave you. And even though at one point he's like, I'm going to leave you, but then he comes back and then he has sex with her. He knocks her up. So now she has to go through this like horrible experience and give birth and then become the thing that, that he, he was, hated. Yeah. Yeah. But then he's just like fine with it. And he's not brought up. No. Again. Yeah. He should have just left her alone. Yeah. I know. <laughs> like in his original mindset, like he should have just left her alone. Yeah. If he's going to be like that annoying about it. Yeah. At least stick to your guns. Exactly. God. I just, yeah, I just feel like all the consequences, all the like big drama surrounding all of this in the first three books in the fourth book is like, yeah, actually that doesn't matter. None of it matters. None of it. Nope. None of it amounted to anything. Nope. So because Bella has superhuman self-control and it's just like super vamp, she can see Charlie now. So Charlie has been really upset because he's heard that Bella's been sick and he doesn't know what's going on. They were just going to tell him that she died. Yeah. (laughs) And then move away. And uh, which was like never explained how they were going to do that. Yeah. Or like any time before when she thought about not being able to see her parents, no one was like, 
oh, we'll tell them she died. Yeah. It was like just not talked about. And I was yeah. like, I'll think about that later. Like didn't want to <laughs> think about it. Yeah. But Jacob's like, you can't leave. So he <laughs> reveals himself to Charlie because there's a law that the Volturi have where you can't tell humans about being vampires mm-hmm. or it's putting the vampire world in jeopardy so that the humans will have to be killed. So Bella can't tell him that she's a vampire. So Jacob's like, Bella can't tell them that she's a vampire, but I can tell Charlie that I'm a wolf. And no better way to do it than by stripping down till I'm <laughs> naked and then changing in front of Charlie. That scene in the movie <laughs> oh my God. was honestly so great. It and was. So funny. I loved it. It was like so self-aware about what was happening and how awkward it was. And yeah. like, it was just really funny. And Jacob's like, just hear me <clears throat> out. I'm just going to take off all my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie's like, stop, stop, stop taking your clothes off. Um, but because of this, now he knows something's weird up with Bella. She doesn't turn into a wolf, but something similar. Mm -hmm. So he can just accept her the way she is. So he and Bella meet up. He gets to see her again. And he's introduced to Renesme as well. And this further cements my belief that movie Charlie is superior to book Charlie in every single way. Movie Charlie is so great. I love movie Charlie. And there's a sweet scene in the movie where he gives Bella a hug when he sees her again, he's like, I can't lose you again. Because he yeah. thought that, like, he didn't know where she was. He didn't know what was happening. He was so worried about her. And he's like, I'll do anything if it means, like, you can still be in my life. Yeah. And, like, even subtle tweaks from, like, the book version make a big difference. Like, in the yeah. book, Charlie's like, I only want to know what I need to know. Yeah. He, like, doesn't care. <clears throat> no. In the movie version, that's Bella's rule. Yeah. Like, I can only tell you. And he, like, wants to know, but he's, like, willing to... Go along, go with, along her with her rules. But like little changes like that add a lot to making uh, Charlie just seem more caring and more yeah. intent on keeping Bella in his life. A good father that doesn't make her cook for him all the time. <laughs> Charlie's fucking cooking, which still gets brought up in this book. Oh, my God. But there's a fun subplot in both the book and the movie where Charlie starts seeing Seth and Leah's mom, Sue. Yeah. They get together. And I loved this. I especially loved it in the movie because they really tackled, like, the entirety of that arc. Yeah. Like, just always in the background, like, real subtly. Mm-hmm. Like, at the wedding, they kind of have a moment. Yeah. And then, like, Sue's just, like, in the background when, like, Charlie gets a call. Mm-hmm. Like, all of that is just kind of going on in the background. Yeah. But I love that. And I love that Bella's, like, too busy to pay attention to, like, <laughs> to the stuff going on with her dad. And, like, in the book, only realizes at the end of the book, literally at the end. Yeah. That Charlie and Sue are together. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you show her an item? Yeah, it's it's really funny, but it's cute. I'm glad that Charlie has someone to cook for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's talk about Renesme a little bit. First of all, the name. The name. I okay. So first of all, obviously, the name is a combination. A combination of Bella's mom, Renee, mm-hmm. and Edward's mom, Esme. Yeah. To form. Renesme. Yeah. And if that weren't good enough, her middle name <laughs> is Carly. Yeah. Because it's a combination of Carlisle, of Carlisle and, and Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> when she said that in the book, I lost it. I laughed <laughs> so goddamn hard because I'm like, Bella, you're the most you are unimaginative so person. <laughs> and of course, she's nicknamed immediately Nessie. <laughs> Which birthed, you know, Adina, few lines in cinema 
capture a generation of people and none more so than when Bella screams at Jacob, you named my daughter after the Loch Ness monster. Yes. <laughs> it's it's amazing. That line when I saw it in the because I saw it in the movie first. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> like, that's a line that exists. Yes. In this movie <laughs> and in this universe. And in the book. And yeah. in the book. <laughs> they, they had it in the book and they thought we've got to keep that line. We've got to have it. It's got to be in there. Yeah. You know, what's worse, though, is by the end of the book, Bella starts calling her Nessie. <laughs> this was kind of funny to me, though, because like. Bella was out for two days changing into a vampire. And like yeah. during that time, everyone started calling her Nessie. And she's like, no, yeah. <laughs> like she kind of had like no control over it, which was kind of funny to me. Yeah. So I kind of enjoyed the fact that she got this nickname and Bella like couldn't stop it. I mean, but then the whole rest of the book, Bella calls her Renesme, And then only in the last like five pages, she starts referring to her as Nessie. That's true. It's only at the very end. It's weird. <laughs> she just finally gave up. Yeah. So which baby demon child, Renesme, is special, just like Bella is, and just like Edward is, in that when she touches your face with her fingers, she shows you her mind. And... Thank God. Thank God, Adina, that instead of using just a baby in the movie, they used they 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 reined in all of their technological prowess and gave us the most uncomfortable CGI baby. Uncomfortable and upsetting. <laughs> just that uncanny valley. I know it hits you hard. You're way down in there. Yeah, it's really weird. And just because it kind of has subtly adult expressions and i think that was the goal i think so <laughs> they were like, like it's got to be a baby but it has to be like a wise baby yeah <laughs> like a baby you could fuck <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> a baby you can fuck yeah just it's so creepy and unsettling to like yeah. see it's like weird little face and like it only gets worse throughout the movies well yeah and like eventually they have a real girl playing Renesmee like a young girl but there were points when it was still like the expressions were kind of CGI on her face yeah and we were like like superimposed onto it like there's a transition effect from the baby to the older Renesmee yeah where it was like a combination of CGI and it just oh oh, it never got good no at no point it was always bad there was like one close-up of the baby's face that actually looked okay. Yeah. But every other shot. The rest shot, was garbage. Awful. <laughs> just terrible. And Renesme is aging at an accelerated rate, just mm-hmm. like the pregnancy was accelerated. For no reason. Yeah. Just so she doesn't have to be a baby anymore, I guess. Yeah. And she's like also like very smart very quickly. Yeah. And she's just like. Everyone loves her, she's and she's super great, gifted. and she's smart. She bewitches everyone. Everyone's in love with her. Yeah, and she's, like, hot. <laughs> she's got those. What? How does the book keep describing her hair? Like, her locks or her... her ringlets? Ringlets. That's the word. It kept using... Like, that's the only word she ever used <laughs> for her hair were her ringlets. And I'm like, okay. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> Um, now also I, I want to talk just, I have to address this because like this movie is bonkers. Oh yeah. 
this is the most crazy, just like tonally inconsistent film in the entire franchise. Yeah. Where... I mean, totally inconsistent in the book as well. <laughs> oh, true. Absolutely. But, but it's like, more obvious. Really brought home, though. Really, that on. <laughs> so this is Breaking Dawn Part 2. That, that yeah, that inconsistency is really refined in that last movie. <laughs> where They sharpen it to they a... They do. <laughs> <laughs> where it starts off with Bella suddenly being a vampire, and she's like, I'm going to run through the woods and hunt things, and it's going to be really weird. In a dress. I'm, I'm in a dress, and I'm like, <laughs> then like clamoring up a wall because I'm going to get uh, a hiker. And oh yeah, the scene where the mountain lion is jumping <laughs> at the deer, and then Bella is jumping at the mountain lion. She gets it in midair. Oh my god! And then she like has to arm wrestle um, Emmett. So we get this like oh, yeah. arm wrestling scene with the music, with the sweet rad rock music. Yeah, and then she just starts like karate chopping a boulder. <laughs> yeah, she's like, yeah, take that, take that, and it's kind of like I. I mean, it's fun. It is. I'm okay with it. I am too. But that's like the only time that that happens. Yeah, but then later they're like, oh my God, we're all going to die. Yeah. And like, there's like fight scenes that are really epic with like epic, like operatic music. And, you know, it just is really, it starts off in such a wacky, weird place. Yeah. And then by the end is somewhere totally else. Yeah. And I just felt like now was the best time to address that when she's karate chopping boulders. <laughs> yeah, it's real weird. It's super odd. I mean, it's all in the book. It is. It's all there. I mean, I think, again, this is a choice where you're like, do we have to include literally everything in the book? Like, couldn't we have done something a little bit different here? <laughs> no. No. She has to hunt mountain lions in, in a, a dress. Pa- in a party dress. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we get a time jump. Yeah. As Renesmee grows older. It's three months, I believe. Three months. And it's just kind of like, everything's perfect. Everything's happy. Even the Volturi are happy about the marriage. And yeah. they send a card in the mail. And Bella is like, I'm the perfect mom. And I spend time with Renesmee. And then when Renesmee has to sleep, because she's half human, so she goes to bed. Edward and I fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of the contrived plot points is like, I know. also she sleeps. Yeah. So that. We'll just put her to bed. They the can bang. Room. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry for being like extra vulgar this episode. I feel like we are, but I'm also not sorry. I know. I know. It's it's necessary. <laughs> it is. It's just like we're at a point now where we're just like. I mean, how many pages have we read in a series? I would love to do the math on that. It's over 2000. I was going to. Yeah, I was pages. like, it's over 2000. That's. It feels like, though, it's way more. Yeah. <laughs> Yet, I, I, when I go back and think, what was the story? I'm like, what? What? <laughs> but, yeah. Um, what were we saying? Sorry. Renesmee's older now. Uh, everything's great. The Volturi are happy. Everyone's happy. But, of course, it's time. For... In classic Twilight fashion. For the third <laughs> act, sudden situation out of nowhere <laughs> where there has been no danger almost this whole story although arguably in this story there was more going on yeah bella was in danger bella was gonna mm-hmm. die from pregnancy but yeah but now that's why all it that feels settled. like two books because like the conflict always happens at the end of these books yeah and right when things seem great who shows up but that one random woman who we were introduced <laughs> to 
Maybe once or twice. Very briefly. They've mentioned her a few times. Irina, who's from the Denali clan of women that are up in Alaska. And she's upset because Laurent was killed by the wolves because he tried to kill Bella. And she's like, Laurent wouldn't do that. And But Laurent totally tried to kill Bella. And yeah. so the wolves killed him. And now she's mad at the wolves. So now she's mad at the Cullens <laughs> because they're still friends with the wolves. We know so much <laughs> about her, yet having not met her once before this. No. It's like, what? I know. Uh, so she comes to <clears throat> make peace with the Cullens. Yeah. And happens to catch sight of... Uh, baby, or not baby, uh, Renesmee, but young Renesmee catching, jumping 50 feet in the air and catching snowflakes. Yes. And Jacob and Bella. And we, we were given this backstory before (laughs) in the book. A convenient backstory. (laughs) God, another, another convenient backstory about this whole saga in vampire history. We're not talking about the civil war in Mexico with the vampires. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about the n- Volturi, the Volturi, or a number of the other things. We're talking about at some point people were turning children into vampires. Yeah, but then they massacred everyone, and then they had no self control. Yeah. They were called immortal children. They couldn't keep the vampire secret, and they revealed the vampires to the humans. So the Volturi outlawed them and said, you can't do this anymore and we're going to kill everyone who's done it already, even though they didn't know that that was the law yet. (laughs) (laughs) And also conveniently, uh, what's uh, Irina? Irina's mom was killed by the Volturi because she had spawned an an immortal child. Yeah. So that's the whole setup. Mm -hmm. This whole contrived setup for this moment. We get a great scene of uh, Jane, the member of the Volturi, Picking up a toddler that's an immortal child and then just tossing him into a fire. That was my favorite moment in maybe all of the movies. It's just like she's like clearly holding a dummy and she just throws it. I know. It. She like tosses it as if it weighs nothing. It's like in Tropic Thunder when he throws that child into oh, the river yeah. and he goes like spinning. That's immediately what I thought of the way he just oh chucks God. this baby into the flames. Um, but yeah, so Irina sees this baby and is super up or, you know, sees. What Renesmee she thinks is an immortal child. And takes off and goes straight to the Volturi and fucking narcs I know, on, on everyone. the Cullen, <laughs> she's like, look what they did. They made an immortal child. And of course, the Volturi have been wanting to challenge the Cullens, slash maybe like capture Alice or Edward or some of the more gifted of the Cullens to have them as their own. So this is kind of an excuse for them to come to the Cullens and probably kill them all. Yeah, and basically the Cullens, because of Alice, she sees this all happening and is like, Oh, shit. They're coming and we're all going to die. Yeah. Uh, Which eventually leads to Alice and Jasper taking off kind of suddenly. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's not known why, but everyone assumes that because Alice can see the future that maybe shit's going down or isn't going to go out well or something's going on. And she needs to be aware. She wants to save herself, save herself and Jasper. I think Bella thinks that Alice stays away because she doesn't want her power in the hands of the Volturi. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, she kind of takes off and people think that she betrayed them. And... Alice, before she leaves, says, try to gather as many witnesses as you can. Gather our other vampire friends to stand with us in case the Volturi want to, like, take us out. Maybe they'll pause for a second and let us explain that this isn't an immortal child and we don't have to kill each other. It's all fine. Once again, that situation of, like, we have to gather a lot of people to explain something is just like, what? Yeah. It's just very weird. Yeah. Like... 
couldn't you just like send them an email? Yeah. <laughs> also, the whole idea that the Volturi are doing this to get at Alice is weird. Like Alice has been around for a long time now. And they're just now being like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we can use this as an excuse when really it's like, well, but this is it. This is also a law they think you broke. So it's yeah. not like they're doing it for nothing. Yeah. So it's like, why do we need to double down on these like excuses of what they're going to do? And I, I want to say here, too, that uh, when we watched this movie, I was only partway through the book, so I hadn't finished yet. And there were parts in the movie that I realized, I'm like, oh, my God, this movie's really confusing. Yeah. And, like, doesn't bother to explain much. No. Like, the part where there's the revelation that, like, oh, the Volturi are actually killing vampire clans to uh, acquire new special vampires. Yeah. That revelation, when it happened, I was like, wait, what? What's happening? Hold on, hold on. I literally had to rewind yeah. the movie and play that scene back to understand what he was talking about because the revelation comes out of nowhere and it sped over so quickly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I just didn't catch it. Why is it. this important? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in the movie later on, they're all camping outside. Yeah. Which isn't really explained. Like, why no. Do they, why, why are do they, they all, outside? Yeah. Why do they need to be outside? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Things like that are kind of explained in the book, but it just goes to show you that it's probably not super easy to watch these movies if you haven't read the books. No. Like, it's hard to understand. <laughs> I just thought of every poor parent that, like, took their tween daughter uh, to see this movie and they were just like, what is happening? Like, what did they say? What, what are they talking about? <laughs> I don't, like, they're bothering their kid. They're like, I don't get it. What? She's like, <laughs> shut up, mom. Shut up. <laughs> I'm trying to enjoy this. <laughs> so, yeah, it's this whole plan that they have where they start gathering all their vampire friends from around the world. Mm-hmm. And they're like, come and see our special baby. <laughs> <laughs> come see our child Messiah. And you don't have to fight, but just tell the Volturi that she's not like an immortal child. Like she's different. She's special. Yeah. And they're like, okay. But, but then they all gather and then it's like, well, we're probably going to have to fight anyway. <laughs> now that you're here. Yeah. You're probably going to have to fight <laughs> or leave. But yeah. yeah, no, that whole like situation was ridiculous. But let's talk about this enormous section of both stories that is like an X-Men recruiting scene. You know what? I was just going to say, it's like Stephanie Meyer wanted to write an X-Men <laughs> movie or book, but like also wanted to write about vampires. So yeah. she's like, they're like mutant vampires. <laughs> well, yeah. And we're like led to believe that like, only a select few of vampires have like abilities. Yeah. But then everyone has an ability. Everyone they recruit has an ability pretty much. Yeah. And those abilities range from like comfortably in the zone of what we've grown to expect. Yeah. Like, oh, mental abilities, like even creating illusions. Yeah. To fucking Rami Malik. <laughs> That Freddy. Who's a waterbender, earthbender. He's like the goddamn avatar because yeah. he can control the elements. And I'm like, what? what is this? What? Yeah. And in the book, they're like, yeah, no one's ever seen anything like him. But I'm like, it's e- even so. Yeah. <laughs> how is he doing this? Like, doesn't this completely blow everything else out of the water? I love how in the beginning of the series, Stephanie Meyer was like, the abilities are like 
what you kind of naturally have like potential for as a human. And then they're amplified as a vampire. Like Edward could probably like kind of see people's expressions and kind of read what they were thinking just from like the expressions on their face and kind of like intuitively understand someone. So now he can read their minds. And uh, yeah, Benjamin could like (laughs) move rocks with his mind and now he can create fissures in the earth. Like, how does that translate? Yeah. How does that translate at all? We also get a lot of really vague and boring powers. Yeah. Like, oh, she can, like, sever emotional ties between people. Yeah. Oh, and... um, How would you ever discover that ability? Yeah. (laughs) Also... He can like, yeah, like anytime she went on a double date with another couple, they immediately broke up. But she's like, yeah, what's going on? I don't on? understand. And then one woman, if she just thinks about things enough, it'll probably happen. Yeah, she wills <laughs> things into existence, essentially. Yeah. Uh, what were there any? Other? Oh, and then there's the guy who can like just understand what other people's powers are. Yeah. Like, that's dumb. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> Edward can do that probably just by reading their mind. I know. Uh, yeah, just, there are so many dumb powers. And also, let's talk about, uh, a little thing like cultural and racial sensitivity. Yeah. Stephanie Meyer isn't good at that. She does not excel in this field. But to be fair, the movie isn't that good at that either. No, they both, they both fall hard on their faces. Yeah, I think Stephanie Meyer says all the Egyptian vampires looked the same. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the Amazonian women, which it's like Amazonian women. Yeah. Like, did you just like <laughs> read did you a, even try? Yeah. Did you just like read like a cheap paperback novel? And we're like, yeah, Amazonian are described women. as tall and long. Yeah. They're lo- like long ladies. And they're all like wild. They're like wild women. Yeah. Also, she describes like everyone's English is like weirdly accentuated. Yeah. She says about like a few different people. And I'm like, why do they know English? Yeah. <laughs> like, why would they fucking bother? Yeah. They live like in the Amazon rainforest. If anything, all of them should know what? Like Italian. Because that's what the Volturi speak, right? Yeah. Like that should be the dominant language. If the Volturi like kind of lo- like rule the vampires, like shouldn't they all speak Italian? That would make more sense, <laughs> I suppose. I just I don't know. Uh, it's it's weird. Yeah, and and like you said, the movies really don't shy away from these like overly stereotyped ethnic dresses and outfits. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the even the Irish guy is in like oh a, my god, is in like a frumpy sweater. They're and, like, like straight out of the potato famine. <laughs> it's like we've done it we gathered every ethnic cliche and stereotype in one room yeah oh god um but yeah so they get them and then it's time for essential well brief aside um part of alice's plan was to have um bella get passports and like basically an escape plan for renesme which essentially tells her that, like, we're going to die. Yeah, but Renesmee might get away. Mm-hmm. Also, and who better to watch her? Than uh, the guy that will one day fuck her, <laughs> Jacob. <laughs> yes. Also, Bella, in addition to just being super, bam- super vamp in so many different ways, also has another power because she's just that awesome. Oh, yeah. Slash the writing is that lazy. <laughs> um, Bella... Because Edward can't, like, read her mind and, like, Jane from the Volturi can't, like, affect her with pain in the mind either. She's a shield, so she has a barrier around her mind that prevents 
people from messing with her, her brain. And she realizes she can like project it. So to put an actual shield out to protect other people as well as herself. So this is kind of like a game changer for the way that they're going to interact with the Volturi Mm -hmm. because Jane and her brother, Alec have these abilities that basically incapacitate anyone, any vampire. And so Bella being able to stop that and shield that not just for herself, but for the rest of their group is really important and this also kind of like, I don't know, this whole like a motherhood protection, uh, like den mother, like yeah. protective mother is like so emphasized in this book. It's like, really driven It really home. hits you over the head with like mama protecting her babies. Yeah, that motherly instinct to protect and nurture and defend and of like course wildly. When, when Bella becomes a vampire and becomes powerful and comes into her, her own power which should be a moment of agency for her is really about how she can just protect others it's a good point so yeah um yeah and of course she's really great at like learning her powers like yeah. really fast and everyone's <laughs> like wow you're really good at this and wow, she's like you're amazing. it's like I was born to be a vampire she says that yeah she says that like a couple times yeah so, uh, so they're, you know, they get ready for this whole encounter. And then finally, when the snow has stuck to the ground, they all meet randomly on the in, baseball field, on the baseball field. That's <laughs> Again. right. It's the baseball field. It's the scene of so many slaughters. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't they just play baseball? I don't know. They had so many people. They could have had like, oh a, yeah, a, a vampire they baseball been tournament. Like, we challenge you to a game. Oh my God. <laughs> Instead of showing up in like the dark hoods and the cloaks, they show up in like baseball, baseball uniforms and like the really old timey baseball. And outfits. like Jane is pitching. <laughs> And we just get another sweet vampire baseball montage. Oh, my God. God, I forgot about the vampire baseball (laughs) in the first movie. Wow. Yeah. And then they kill all those newborns in that baseball field in Eclipse. Oh, my God. I forgot the the Eclipse scene. Yeah, that's the killing field. Oh. Bella wasn't there because she's up in the mountains. Yeah. But that's where the rest of them get killed. Okay. But that's dumb because... Like, that's definitely not the same location. I just watched yeah. the Eclipse fight on YouTube just to, like, compare the fight scenes. Yeah. And that was, like, a much more enclosed, like, kind of wooded area. Mm-hmm. This is, like, in the middle of a field. It's supposed to be the same place. I know. I, I just, I, it's, like, dumb. In anyway. The bo- in the book, anyway. In the, yeah. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, so they all meet. Not to play baseball, but to, like, <laughs> just, like have this political showdown. Yes. A chess match, if you will. Fuck that. <laughs> it is not chess. <laughs> they don't do it, it. Honestly, though, it is like a political thing. Yeah. Because they all have like witnesses, like even the Volturi in the book. Bring witnesses. Bring witnesses so that when they kill all the Cullens, everyone will feel like it was justified. Yeah. So it becomes like this kind of political thing. Speeches are made. Mm -hmm. Evidence is brought up. It's almost like a courtroom too. Yeah, yeah. But it's not a fucking chess match, Adina. I hate, (laughs) you know, the metaphor, the first metaphor she brought up for the cover with the chess pieces. Yeah. With the pawn and the queen is like, oh, Bella started off 
being weak and then yeah. has become really powerful. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Like if you advance a pawn to the end of the board, you can yeah. make it a queen. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'll accept that. But then later when she's like, also the ending is kind of like, like a, a chess, chess match. match. And I'm like, no, fuck that. You lost me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so they meet up and with all the werewolves and vampires there, it does halt the Volturi. Yeah. And suddenly this whole conversation begins where they're trying to explain. They're calmly discussing the fact that Renezme is not an immortal child. She is a special baby. And they're like, okay, she's a special baby. But like, should we still kill her? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. And while they're trying to decide that, like Jane and Alec kind of try to attack them and Bella like repels their attacks in both the book and the movie repels that. Yeah. And then Alice shows up and she brings more witnesses or like evidence, I guess. Mm-hmm. And she brings a half human, half vampire man who like had the same origin as Renezme, except his mom died. Didn't yeah. have a vampire to turn her into a vampire at the last second. And so it's just kind of like proof that like, Oh, she'll stop aging eventually and she'll kind of look normal and no like vampires won't be in danger from the humans finding out. I don't know. It's like whatever. Yeah, there's like a lot of just kind of exposition point, counterpoint speech. And this is like the book more specifically. Mm-hmm. Just like it really drags on. Yeah. And a lot of people apparently didn't like the fact that there's a whole build up to like a fight. And then it doesn't happen. And then there was no fight. And I don't hate that idea. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of trying to prevent a fight can also be interesting. Yeah. And at one point it is because at one point the Volturi, they turn and kill um, Irina. Irina and it to to try to provoke incite and provoke yeah. her sisters, which they almost do. And then suddenly like the Cullens are trying to hold them back because yeah. they know as soon as this starts. Like that was actually a kind of an exciting moment. Yeah. That was like interesting. Um, but then so much of it is just talking. It is. It's just and talking. it's so boring. Yeah. And dumb. But luckily in the movie, yeah. we get something a little different. Yeah. And I think this is smart. I do In terms too. of the movie. Because you're expecting different things in a movie. And people were already kind of upset about the book not really having a climactic ending. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the ending to a book. It's the ending to the series. Yeah. So you're expecting something kind of big. And every book so far has kind of had an epic type battle or confrontation scene. Yeah, but so many of the times Stephanie Meyer has like shied away from like most of the actual conflict. Mm -hmm. Like I remember in Eclipse, like the conflict was like being broadcast through Edward and he's just describing (laughs) it. And he's like, oh yeah, now they're fighting and oh no, now someone's hurt. And like it was like what? Um, So... If I was a fan of the books, I wouldn't really be expecting a huge fight. Yeah. But I kind of get where people were coming from. So in the movie, they have a cool scene where Alice goes up to Aro to tell him like, oh, you know, try to bring evidence. And then it turns out to be a vision of hers that she has of like what would happen if they did fight. And but it's like the actual fight. Yeah. And you don't know that, though. At the Yeah. Beginning. You don't know that it's a vision. You just know that the fighting starts happening. It kind of smoothly transitions into like this fight that erupts. Yeah. And I really because lo- like 
Carlisle dies yeah. like immediately. I know. And Jasper gets his head pulled off at one point. Yeah, like um, people are dying left yeah. and right, but like some other like people on their side get killed, like Jane gets murdered. That's exciting. Pete heads are just being ripped off the bodies. Yeah. Limbs are being pulled off. Mm-hmm. Like it's a fairly decent fight scene. Like I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, Alice gets a really cool moment where she's like running through a bunch of people and like fending them off to like get to Jane. Yeah. Which I really loved. Like mm-hmm. that was a pretty well choreographed scene. There's a sad scene where Leah gets falls into the cliff after saving Esme. Yeah. Which was interesting. Mm-hmm. And only once Bella and Edward take on um, Aro. Aro and, and kill, kill him. him, do we realize this is all going through Aro's head and it's like the vision Alice is passing on to him. And in the book, Aro's decision not to attack is in direct, like, because of Alice's vision. Like, mm-hmm. it's basically like, if you attack, you'll lose. Yeah. So we're not going to attack. In the book, it's like, well, we're not going to attack because, like, you have too much evidence and now it kind of looks bad if we attack you. Yeah. And it's more like, like you said, political. Yeah. Whereas in the movie, it's like, oh shit, like, we're just not, it's not going to look we're good. We're all going to die. Yeah. Like, on both sides, people will die, but like, we'll lose more. Yeah. They'll lose more and, like, mm-hmm. the Volturi will be done. Yeah. So I, I liked that, that it was like, this is what would happen. Yeah. Like, these are the stakes. These are the things that would go down. Mm-hmm. We would win. We'd lose some people. Yeah. So it's not just like, oh, it was a dream the whole time. Yeah. It's not like that disconnected, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, it's not that it doesn't have any relevance. Yeah. It's just like informational in terms of. Like, yeah. Like, this would be the natural course of events to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you got to have your cake and eat it, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got the climactic fight, mm-hmm. but you, you did, also don't have it. You don't have it. You, yeah. You're actually much more to the book in a way. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I and like I like it. I did, too. I thought it was like really, really great. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it was very effective. Yeah. And so everyone goes home. And. We get one last scene, pretty much, mm-hmm. of Edward and uh, Bella. Kissing. Kissing in the field. Yeah. That they always go to to kiss. Yep. And Bella is like, I can put my shield down now and you can read my mind. And he's like, great. Awesome. Like, it's not why you loved her was that you couldn't do this thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's... That's it. Everything is perfect. I love in the book where Bella talks about how happy she is and how perfect everything is and how amazing everything turned out. Oh, yeah. Except Arena was killed. But who cares? (laughs) She's literally like, oh, yeah, Arena, whatever. There had to be one casualty. Yeah. And it's Uh, someone that we've literally like never met. It was interesting, though, reading about like in the original um, Forever Dawn. Yeah. Uh, that was actually supposed to be Victoria's character. Yeah. Is that her? Victoria, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which kind of makes a lot of sense that it was like her that like tried to screw over the yeah, Collins and she like hates died. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Which would have been instead of like this character that we were just introduced to this book. And yeah. So like I'm like, OK, I can see where that would have fit better. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's it. And we get this montage at the end of the movie (laughs) where it's all of Bella's memories except they skip Eclipse. They totally... (laughs) They skip all the memories from Eclipse. They skip everything from Eclipse because that's how little Eclipse mattered. Exactly. And then we have a whole like long end credit scene where they literally credit every person who was ever in the series. Which was 
hilarious because I was like, who's that? Who is that? I don't, who is that? I, who are you? Like, I, like for the first half of them, I was like, I don't know who any of these characters were. I don't even recognize them. Yeah. Uh, and then when it finally gets to uh, Bella, Edward, and Jacob, yeah. it does this really bad CGI book page flipping. Yeah. Like, hey, this was a book, remember? Did you know? And I'm like, yeah. A lot of movies are based on <laughs> books. That doesn't mean you have to put books in the credits. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's it. That's That's, that's it. I that's forget. how it ends. And then they're together forever and everything's perfect forever. <laughs> forever. The end. Forever and ever and ever. Yeah. So, so what What are your thoughts, Ian? Oh, my God. On, on what? What are we? Book- I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um... Oh, man. Let's talk about book versus movie first. Okay, yeah. And let's, then... Let's we, yeah. stick with what we know. Um, Which I have not actually come to a decision on. You know what? So, as critical as I am of the book, I still found myself super, like, engaged with it. And, like, mm-hmm. it being really like, easy for me to read and kind of getting sucked into the story. I don't know. I feel like... I don't, wouldn't read the book again, but I maybe enjoyed reading the book more than like watching mm. both of the movies. Like, okay, they were like, I don't know, bad, but also just kind of like annoying in many ways. Yeah. I'm going to have to go with the movies, though, personally. Yeah, because uh, it was so frustrating, like the first third and the last third of this book, the Bella portions. Yeah, were mostly so boring. Yeah, it was either. Her wedding and honeymoon and <laughs> and then later it was like gathering a bunch of vampires together that we are learning about for the first time who aren't going to do anything. Yeah. And it doesn't matter at all. Uh, <laughs> and then the only good part was the middle with yeah. Jacob. But I can't excuse how they threw everything good that portion did away. Out the window immediately. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Even though that was like my favorite portion probably of any of the books in terms of being interesting, the fact that like she does such a disservice to it with the whole imprinting on Renesmee thing at the end. Yeah. Like it it completely cuts down all of that in my mind. Yeah. So like the book was both grueling and annoying and even the good parts were kind of screwed up. Mm -hmm. And at least the movies like are entertaining in a lot of ways. Like even though tonally they're all over the place. Yeah. I love how fucking wacky the beginning of the second movie is. <laughs> yeah. With Bella. And I love how. Her super strength. Yeah. And how absurd. And, and like the final bite battle in the second one is actually pretty good. Like I enjoyed that. That's true. Um, So. And like, I don't know. Anytime these movies are on TV. Yeah. We just always watch them. Yeah. You can't help yourself. You can't because they're just so entertaining so in that way like anytime they're on tv i could just easily watch them so i gotta say i gotta say the movie for me i think you convinced me to the movie oh did i yeah i like said book because i kind of wanted to defend it a little bit like i felt we've been like we've been a little harsh on it i mean you can say say the book i'm i honestly do not even know (laughs) (laughs) this has just been a wild ride i'm still alive at the end of it that's all that matters yeah (laughs) (laughs) but we did it though the most important thing is adina that we got through it we did 
and we got through all of them. Wow. Wow, we, it's we, over. It's over. Wow. The, the saga of Twilight is wrapped up. Wow. That's a little bittersweet. <sighs> it is. You know, for some reason, this book in particular was just, ex- I mean, it was the longest yeah. to begin with. Yeah. And it was just exceptionally grueling. And I get all the books are like boring and kind of slow to an extent. But something about this one in particular just was like exceptionally so. Yeah. And I I don't know. I just had a lot of trouble with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, the other ones, I, I enjoy getting to read them and complain. Yeah. <laughs> I just like they doing that. They have their that. charms. Yeah. <laughs> Having a platform to complain about them on. And now I can complain about them as much as I want forever. because you, you read them all. Because I read all of them. Yeah. And people will be like, you're being hard on them. You should read them. And I'm like, oh, I've I've read them. (laughs) Every word. They're like, well, you should read the other. Oh, I've read all of them. (laughs) Out of spite. (laughs) So for this moment, so I can tell you. (laughs) No, I mean, we say it all the time. I'll say it again. If you like this kind of thing, if you like Twilight, good on you. Like, I'm glad... That they're that you like this, yeah. And honestly, they are entertaining. I I thought they were entertaining anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, the story like pulled me in, and I kept wanting to read it. Like it's very readable. I mean, there's something about them that like clearly it was like a craze. It was yeah. like a phenomenon. Yeah. I personally can't quite put my like. I don't know what that element is because I didn't feel it. I just like mostly. Had to trudge through all of these books. <laughs> yeah. Like the movies have enough like bad quirky charm to them that I enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Um, the books, though, my God, are just really, really rough. Uh, so I don't know what that something is, but clearly there is something to them. So I can't blame anyone for liking them. Yeah. Because so many people did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I think that wraps it up. I think it does, too. Let's do our lightning round. Let's do our lightning round. Our last Twilight lightning round. Hell yeah. Okay, so for my first (laughs) lightning round, I just had to go back and just give Mike a farewell. (laughs) Because, my God, what a useless character that was shit on throughout the whole series. (laughs) Poor Mike. Like, at one point, Edward was like, if you become a vampire, you'll have to say goodbye to all your friends. And Bella is immediately like, yeah, how will I say goodbye to Mike? (laughs) (laughs) And then at the wedding... Um, Mike is there, and when Edward takes the garter belt off of Bella, he purposely throws it at Mike's face. Oh my god. So ridiculous. Because <laughs> apparently he was having, like, improper thoughts about Bella, but I'm just like, everyone, like, not only, I think, do the readers hate Mike, but, like, yeah. Stephanie Meyer didn't care either. Everyone and it's just hates like, Mike. Let's just shit on Mike. Uh, real brief, when, in the movie, when Edward is trying to research what this baby could be inside Bella. He decides to he decides to look up information by using a Yahoo search engine. <laughs> and we just see Yahoo on the computer screen. And it's just like so jarring and weird and terrible. Do you think it's because they don't use a computer like like they only use a computer like once every five years? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Yahoo, Yahoo, right? Yeah. yeah That's fine. Definitely Yahoo or Ask Jeeves. Yeah. <laughs> um I had to point this like we were watching the movie and there's a scene when they're in a library or that like the Cullen's house yeah. with bookshelves and they're talking about what to do next. I think they're like plotting. Yeah. And at one shot in Edward, I was like, hold on. And I like rewound it and paused it. And we really looked at this shot and I'm like, those bookshelves behind Edward aren't there. 
I'm like, those are like green screen. Oh my God. And it's hard to put exactly your finger on it. Like it was like the focus of them. They were a little too in focus. Yeah. And the way like Edward's shadow hit them. And the light on Edward. And the light on Edward. And the same thing for like another shot with uh, Alice in front of bookshelves. Like, yeah. I'm like, these are all in front of a green screen. I swear <laughs> to God. Like you couldn't just make a set like anything. You couldn't just put... Get a get a bookshelf from Ikea. And fill it with books. Put some books on it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is really bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just want to give a shout out to Bella's very convenient dreams in both the <laughs> books and the movie. Every single book, Bella has dreams that portend the uh, climax of these stories. And this book is no different where Bella is dreaming about a child that she has to protect and these cloaked figures that are coming towards the baby. And she dreams that before she even knows she's pregnant. So she's psychic. Yeah. Why wasn't that also her vampire power? I don't know. It should be. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, my, my last one is uh, at their vacation home on the island. Yeah. They have two uh, people from the mainland come in. Uh, these two Brazilian people to clean their house. Yes. And not only are they just like people from Brazil. Yeah. They are like, and this goes back to her inability to not make things like mystical. Yeah. The woman like knows Edward's a vampire and she has like a sense. Yeah. And of course, when Bella's pregnant, she like knows of legends that <laughs> happened in her. I'm like, can't you just be the fucking cleaning lady? Yeah. They're like connecting like different cultures to being like primitive and then to yeah. be like in touch with this mysticism and legends. Why? Why does she have to know about like ancient legends? Why yeah. can't she just be the woman that from cleans their house. that cleans their house? Yeah. And there's just a part in the book where she's talking to Edward in Portuguese. Yeah. And I swear to God, and Bella can't understand it, so you're not getting the translation. Yeah. They argue in Portuguese for like two pages. It's so long. Where it's like how Edward said something, then how she reacted and how she looked at him. And then like for so long, they <laughs> argued in Portuguese. It oh was my so God. boring. <laughs> okay. Uh, last for lightning round. Uh, Renesme has this gift where she can show you her thoughts when she touches you. And when she first touches you, or sometimes when she wants to show you something, she'll show you the first memory she has of you. So when she touches Bella, <laughs> when Bella's a bam vampire, she shows Bella her first memory of her mom, which is when she was literally dying <laughs> on the operating table, looked like a fucking corpse, like right after Renesme also bit her. Yeah. <laughs> she like, to make matters worse, she crawl like she bites her way out of the womb and then like bites her mom. I'm like, Jesus. And Bella's like, that's nice. What a nice memory, <laughs> Renesme. Thank you for sharing that with Thank me. Thank you, honey. <laughs> uh, and that's it. That's, that's it. our lightning round. We did it. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta end this before we pass out. Yeah, we're tired. This is a marathon for us. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Yes. Thank and you for joining us on this wild ride. It's been really fun. We've been really excited and it's been interesting definitely yeah. to do this series. I've learned so much, <laughs> but I can't quite put it into words. Yes. <laughs> um, please. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, leave us a star rating or a review. Yes. That really helps with like our rankings and how we turn up on uh, 
no longer iTunes on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And find us on Twitter at Cover Two Credits. That's the number two. Mm-hmm. And email us at Cover Two Credits Pod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. And we're also on Patreon. If you'd like to support us um, by, you know, becoming a patron, you can be a patron just at like the $1 level and you still get all the patron benefits. We do bonus episodes um, for um, extra adaptations. Yes. So we just have one that that came out for The Shining for our patrons yes. on the little miniseries TV show version of The Shining. Which is really bad. Which is really bad. <laughs> it's an excellent episode, and that's our patrons got that. Um, so head on over to Patreon to check out what we have going on over there. We appreciate everyone who supports us, and we appreciate everyone that listens. Seriously, your encouragement and your interaction and your support has helped us get through yes. doing Breaking Dawn and this whole series. And the podcast in general. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It's the only way I could have gotten through it all. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll see you next episode where we'll be talking about the very successful Netflix adaptation of To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Yes. A little bit of a different type of love story. A little bit of a wind down from the two very long books we've just read. So look forward to that one and we'll see you then. See you next time. Bye. Bye.